Josh Holiday, and you're listening to the Fresh Coast Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Chad Badrow, Arts Education Program Manager with the Michigan Arts and Culture Council, and Stephanie Glazer, a writer working in philanthropy at the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. On this podcast, we'll talk with them about the Rising Leaders Program at the Statewide Arts Agency, Michigan Arts and Culture Council, about the benefits and purpose of investing in young professionals in the arts and cultural sector here in Michigan. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of the Cultural Advocacy Network of Michigan, the Michigan Arts and Culture Council, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We're bringing you the latest stories and headlines on arts and culture here in the Fresh Coast State, our beautiful home in Michigan. Let's dive right in. Stephanie, Chad, thank you so much for joining me today on the Fresh Coast Podcast. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. So we're here to take today to talk about the Rising Leaders Program, which is a really cool initiative, which came out of the Michigan Arts and Culture Council a number of years ago. And they've gone through several graduating classes. And Stephanie is a graduate of the program. But Chad, you're here with MACC. Tell us, what is the program and how did it all get started? Yeah, thank you. You know, we... Um... We've had a, a a program, a grant program through MACC that was specifically aimed at trying to empower young people in the arts, and that was our new leaders grant program. Not to be you know mistaken by rising leaders, we have to change the name perhaps uh, for clarity. But um, and so that program has existed for over ten years and really focused on trying to give people between the ages of fourteen and thirty leadership opportunities uh, in the arts. What we found, uh, what we have found over the years was that we needed what we, or we were eager and what I think the, the sector was anxious for was a more focused approach to building into young people uh, who were hopefully gonna become or were becoming um, leaders in the arts. And so we, and we also looked around the state and we saw that a lot of founders and um, executive directors around the state in arts organizations were retiring and they weren't necessarily doing a really great job at um, secession planning or just discussing with their organizations about who was an appropriate person to step into those roles and we we felt like as um as the state arts council that we could perhaps do something about that and and be a little bit more intentional about how we we're going to build into young people and give them the skills and a common shared language about what effective leadership looks like. Um, at the same time, uh, I had gone through a leadership program led by um, Partners in Performance and John McMahon. Um, myself that was done nationally. And I came back from that and my, and my, my boss, Allison Watson had also years before had also gone through the same program. So when I came back, we had sort of been floundering a little bit up to that point, not floundering, I guess we had just been throwing a lot of things at the wall uh, and, and trying them up until that point. And when I came back from that experience, I, I was just so laser focused on this is what we have to do. We have to literally bring this same man <laughs> to Michigan and uh, and make it happen here in Michigan because it was so effective for me. It it absolutely transformed and it uh, reconceptualized my whole view of leadership, what it meant about how to be a leader within the arts and culture sector, and how I fit like both my my own like skills and and lack of skills uh, from a leadership perspective. And so um, we you know approached John 
uh, about coming to Michigan. And so in that first year was in 2018 um, of our of our now what are, is our rising leaders program. And so we just just announced our fourth cohort of our rising leaders. And so that's really exciting. So that was sort of the impetus for the program. I love hearing about how your experience helped inspire bringing this to Michigan. And I'm sure as part of your leadership cohort, they were super thrilled that you jumped into action to be the leader and do that. Because out of these programs, oftentimes they want leaders to pursue something, pursue a project, be the be the, be the the change in their field. And so I think that's incredible that you took that from the national level and said, I need to bring this to my home state and make sure that we can foster that leadership for the next generation. Well, what I, what I will say is that um... I think the the thing that I really took from that experience myself uh, that was really important and I think is applicable, uh, I, I don't want to assume, but I and, and Stephanie can speak to this as well, but I think it's applicable for a lot of us that really want to make an impact and want to do something positive and, with our lives and in the sector that we are passionate about. I really believed that leadership, quote unquote, was about being the head of every any organization I happen to be at. And that may be true uh, in some cases, but uh, what I took away from the program, and I think a viewpoint that Rising Leaders as a whole and John McCann, who runs it, really also, uh, also extols, is that you can be a leader anywhere you are, and it's less about your actual position and more about the skills that you're bringing in as far as your perspective on yourself that and that you can bring to any scenario. And I think that's far more applicable and far more universal um, when we're talking about really making an impact, a positive impact on the on the sector. Because there are just there are obviously a finite number of like lead like executive director roles, president roles. Um, but there are there are thousands and millions of of jobs that make the arts and culture sector work. And I think if we if we can expand our view about what leadership means at any stage of, of the of the process and the ecosystem, then we can really make some huge, huge changes. Absolutely. Chad, if I could just jump in, I, I remember that our first session, John really focused it around self-leadership which to me is just really a different way of saying self-trust, right? And that was so much of the program was, what do you know already? How can you learn to trust that? And how can you learn to trust it for and with each other in this cohort and in this network? Um, that was just such a huge part of John's message was you have so many of the answers and so much of the skill needed to do the work that you want to do already in you. And, and you just need to sort of hone it and, and hear it, yeah. I love that you guys shared that, and I hope that is inspiring to folks that are listening today, that that you don't have to be the president and CEO, that really that you are a leader in your own way. And if you think about the, the two guests that I have with me today, you can see that in their work that they're doing in their organizations. So um, Stephanie, let's jump to you and ask, you know, what really inspired you to join this program? And also, what does your work look like in the arts and cultural sector today? Yeah, thanks. So um, at the time that I joined the program, Rising Leaders, I was uh, in fundraising at the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. And one of the friends and mentors that I made there, um, Chris Harrington, was just a disciple of John McCann and, and came to me with this program and said, you have to do this apply for this this minute. And I said, okay. Uh, and, I, and I did <laughs> the rest is history. But um, 
Chris is just such a dynamic guy now running a symphony in, in the Midwest on, on his own, but was running the jazz programs for the symphony in Detroit at the time. And um, John just helped him grow his career and, and be in his purpose. Um, and, and you could see that in Chris's person. Um, and it, it just meant so much to me to have him speak to, to this um, candidly older white Southern gentleman um, who, who had so much to, to give to the sector and had been doing that as a consultant for years. So that's how I came to the program. At the time I was in the symphony at, in fundraising, and now I'm working at the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan in fundraising. So my sort of role in the arts is probably threefold, right? So as an artist myself, I'm a writer, um, I'm a poet, and I've worked as an editor at a queer literary journal for years uh, based out of Portland, Oregon. And now in my professional role in my gig at the foundation, I work with donors who want to fund the arts, right? So yeah, couple couple spaces. That's great. And what inspired you to join the program beyond beyond the the credibility of the program and the the folks that are leading it? But what were some of the the tangible things that you knew you were going to get out of it, or what did you get out of it? Yeah, you know, I'll say that what brought me isn't what kept me excited about it. Um, what brought me is that somebody said that I should do this and I respected them. And I thought, well, I've just moved back to Michigan and what a good way to sort of grow my, grow my network. And it, and it did those things. Um, but you know, what kept me excited in the program and, and, and why I'm still really grateful for it was again, just that, that consistent narrative of, um, of self-trust that John really centered in the curriculum. Um, and he made it, it was truly a co-created space. I mean, he trusted our experience. He trusted our relationship building with each other. Um, he wanted to hear about challenges we had, how we overcame them. He wanted us to problem solve these things together. Um, and, and, and just the sort of fluidity of, of the days, right? We'd be learning together in the morning and eating together in the midday and drinking together at night. And we'd, it was just sort of one big ongoing, beautiful conversation about the things that really mattered to us, right? Which inevitably were the nature of art, how it matters in our communities and, and how we could matter to each other. And for anybody listening today, I'm sure their ears are like, oh my gosh, I have to join this program. Like they're getting pretty excited based on hearing what you guys are talking about. So if somebody was looking at joining the program, what can they expect? What, what does it look like? What might they get out of it? Um, how many people participate generally? Yeah, thank you. I think that so we um, we generally are um, accepting applications over in the early summer. So between, um, you know, June through uh, through August, we then are like, you know, reading through applications in August and then uh, letting people know about their acceptance in the program. We meet. So the program meets basically over six months uh, for three actual in-person retreats. So the first in October, the second in January, and then the third in um, April. And we generally are placing those uh, in places that are more retreat-like, so a little bit outside of uh, an urban center. Um, we often get feedback at the end of the program, like, you know, this was great. I wonder what it would look like if we um, 
if we met in in more of a city so then we could also go do some stuff and and soak up the arts and culture of that of that town and we're very intentional about not doing that that hopefully that's something that our alumni network of rising leaders can do and connect in those spaces but that there's something really important and baked into the the structure of this program that is pulling people outside of their uh everyday lives um so that they can focus on themselves and they can focus on each other uh and and like clearing their brain. And I think that's really important to the way that this thing is set up. So it's oftentimes out in nature or at retreat centers um, or places that are at least a little bit more um, off the beaten path for that for that particular purpose. Uh, and then I think the other, and, and Stephanie can weigh in on this as well, is that, and as she sort of alluded to, is that we often get, uh, reflections at the end of the program that, wow, you know, I've, I've done some leadership development before in the past, and I thought it was going to be much more didactic and much more like sit, listen, fill out forms, or what have you. Um, this is much, it's it's less about how for how can you like rise up the ladder in your organization uh, and become, quote unquote, the leader. Uh, and it's more about, turn as Stephanie had said, turning inward and really focusing on mutual trust, self-discipline, self uh, understanding what skills and your priorities you have and values you have in your, your own lives. Uh, and then, ref and, and then, you know, talking about that as a cohort, um, you know, I, as we've been, as we were talking, as we were coming into this fourth cohort this year, uh, I've often talked with people about that we haven't really had a typical year uh, yet because the first year was the first year. And so there was a lot of just figuring it out. And that second year was COVID. And then the third year also has been COVID. And so we've never really had a, a, a typical, what, what, what I was thinking was going to be a typical year. But as I'm listening to Stephanie talk, I'm, I'm reminded again, and this is the joy of this program too, is how every year is so specific to the group of people that come together that it's never been the same. And I suppose that's true of anything, right? Like any play production or any like symphony that comes together, they're gonna sound different because of the group of people that are together. And that's very true of rising leaders in that just because of the dynamics of the the sector any any of these individuals work in, um, the gender, the, the racial diversity is always gonna just like really impact the discussions that are had. Um, and that's great. I really, really love that about the program. And so, and we generally, the first year, uh, the first year we had, we were saying we were going to accept 15 every year and we've stuck close to that, but we're, it's no longer, uh, sort of a really firm edict. I think we, so the, um, that third year we had 12 this year, we accepted 16, uh, cause we just had so, so many applications and some really great people. So, um, but we're st generally stick, it's generally around the number of 15. I think it's safe. Um, you know, Chad, I, I just want to to add about about the curriculum, something that surprised and delighted me about what what John did was not only sort of really demand that we were in conversation with each other um, as, as a core part of the curriculum, but that the texts that he brought, the tools that he brought us um, were so untraditional for me uh, in something like mm -hmm. a leadership mm -hmm. program, right? So, so instead of, you know, a, a, a particular like lean in kind of text. This man was bringing Marge Piercy poems about the nature of work. 
And then right. that was what we were wanting to discuss, you know, um, very, very different, very different. And again, like there's nothing about, and, and this is my boatload of assumptions, but there was nothing about maybe his, his presentation in the world as um, a, a mature Southern gentleman that would have told me that that was going to be his shtick. Um, and, and I was just really delighted and surprised. And as someone who is is with it every year, there is definitely like a through line, but but that is very true. And what's so glorious about John and the structure of this program and that. So in, in the case of Stephanie's class there, we just had some, a, a good handful of writers and people who were really passionate about poetry. And, and John is so intuitive as far as picking up on that and knowing, oh, this, this then is what's going to resonate with this group of people. Oh, wait, this is the group of people. This is what's going to really uh, hit home with this group of people. And he's really adept at that. And that, that has, I've got to believe, aside from him just being so intuitive, um, really just comes from a lifetime of doing this work in so many settings across the, the globe. So that's, we're so, we're so fortunate to have him. Yeah. And um, I know several people that have gone through the program and I believe the alumni stay pretty connected afterwards, correct? Yeah, and we're, we're still working on how to continue to do that. What is the most effective way? What does what does the alumni network want? I mean, ultimately as a state agency, the Michigan Arts and Culture Council is invested in creating a shared language amongst our leaders in the arts and culture field in our state. And 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 so that's that's that. Give, giving them a really focused, intentional experience that they can take with them that really impacts them in a way that's going to stick with them. That's not just going to be like then filed away in like a binder that gets put on the shelf. And so incrementally, I've really loved to see, you know, we're close to 45 now people and the ways in which simply because of that shared language and shared experience that binds them together. Even if all that means is, okay, here's our list of alumni. I'm an alumni. I've got a really specific question about how do I, how do I deal with booking, you know, acts into my performing arts center. So I'm, and I know now, let me look at this list of 45 and there, and there are a handful of other ones. Right. And in the case of, you know, Stephanie similarly, like, so there, there are other, you know, fundraisers or people who are working specifically in the foundation world. Um, and I can reach out to them. And I know that simply by saying, Hey, I was in this program as well. Uh, and I, and I spoke and I worked with John and also, I think they just have shared like common language about like the type of question I'm going to actually ask you. Um, that's not just like, how, you know, how can I make sure I sell lots of tickets, which is a valuable thing too, but it's going to be a much more intentional focused thing. And that is, that has come from the training, I think, from the program. Stephanie, what is something that maybe you, when looking back and reflecting on your experience, your, you know, your professional experience before the training and after, what is maybe something that is you've been able to look inward and influence in your day-to-day -day, um, from something that you pulled from the training. I know we talked about, you know, that self, that self uh, confidence that you have and th through the, through the leadership elements of it, is there something that's affected the way in which you continue to do your work? It's a really great question. So it's hard to answer. Um, you know, I, I would say I would say that during the program and in conversations with with John after the program and certainly with Chad too, um, 
it helped me focus um focus my in the world of art and the way that I wanted to spend my time um and it just built my intuitive trust of that desire right um and it it helped me sort of separate the conversation um in my mind of what what might be the savvy career move um, versus what I wanted and what reflected my values. Um, I think this program more than anything and knowing these people and learning from John has helped me just trust that. And I, I'm glad you talked about reflecting your values. And I know that when we look at the, the class that just came out and it was announced that we'll be participating in the program this year, um, it represents a very diverse pool of people, um, both in their professional work that they're doing, but also racially uh, with gender um, orientation. And I think that's beautiful. So Chad, talk about um, the importance of diversity amongst the people that are participating in the program. Well, I, I really think that it's it's like, it's like throwing an effective dinner party uh, in some ways. You know that if I just invite a bunch of theater people, we're all we're going to get into the same conversations that we always have had uh, all the time, right? Because we're all living in it. And there's benefit to that uh, often. But I think that's why we have like, you know, a theater board, for example, because we can then so we can all speak that same language. I think in the in the case of rising leaders, um, because it's more about it's what's interesting is that because it's less about okay, we're going to all invite you here because we want to we want to focus on how you can sell lots of tickets, to use that same example. Um, that would require bringing a lot of the same people in the same field. But, but because um, Rising Leaders is more focused on, as Stephanie said, um, assessing your own values and and or um, how to how to how to effectively move people forward, it within in in this case that within the arts and culture field, um, which is what I, which is John's definition of leadership, how to move people forward um, collectively. Uh, if I could step in, like please, I think like writ writ large, I think what the council is trying to do with this program is have enough young leaders trust their own sense of value, ethic, what art means in community, and that changes the field over time. Right, they're playing the very long game. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I, and I will, I want to own that badge because as when I first began in this, in this field and as a, as an artist myself, I wanted things like right now, I wanted it to, I, oh, this is a problem. Let's solve it right now. And I think that what I appreciate not only from that perspective, but also our perspective as an arts council, when we began trying to impact uh, young leaders is this is definitely the long game. And we understand that incrementally we will sort of build we will build a really, really strong sector in a really intentional way. So um, thank you for that, Stephanie. I, I, so I'll just say that the value of that diversity and the cohort in all of those ways that you listed, Josh, are is really valuable to the discussion, the discussions that are had at each of those retreats, because it it deepens, it, it adds flavor to, it adds nuance to. I know um, last year's cohort was, you know, we had a, a gentleman who runs what is essentially a woodworking institute we have a really broad definition of what arts and culture means at MACC. Um, and I think even he didn't think that he was going to be accepted because he didn't know if he fit in that. But that that viewpoint and, and his was 
was so valuable from day one to everyone. It made everyone go, oh, what do I think about woodworking? And in, in that mm -hmm. in that same, as, as an art form. And I think that that same impulse is true. Oh, I, you know, Stephanie works at for a foundation, but like, okay, but here's someone who runs a tiny small arts council in Northern Michigan, or you work at a museum, or, you know, you work at a, at a, at a small community theater. Um, and it, it helps us all get out of our everyday boxes of the work that we do every day and, and reconsider what the arts and culture field is and how, where is their overlap? Oh, wow. We, we're still all, we're still all grappling with those same questions and, or, whoa, I never even thought about that. That's not an issue that I ever think about, but it, but it's something I can put in my toolbox. And so ultimately the, you know, there are some basic questions when we're like sort of reviewing these applications that everyone has to do, right? You have to give us a bio and you have to answer these two narrative questions, et cetera. And pretty much because these are all really like intelligent people, everyone does that. But then then after that, it's about lay, laying all these, you know, sort of people down and saying, how can we create the most diverse, the most interesting, the most surprising group of connections that we can make over the course of these six months. And, and so in that regard, I'm really, really excited about this year's cohort in the way that I have been for every, every year. Um, and I'm excited about what they're going to bring. I, I just love that you're including craftspeople too. Um, it feels like that's just one of the ways the field needs and must kind of grow to include like these traditional, right? Like quilt makers, all of, all of these things, right? These traditional crafts that actually Michigan is just filthy rich with, mm -hmm. right? But, but how, how have we put them in Congress with people who are running a symphony? Oh, we haven't. And another thing I'll say that, that has surprised and delighted me about the program is that sense of otherness that even the people who you would assume have the inside of inside actually have, right? Mm -hmm. Chris running the jazz program at the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, like, oh, he, he definitely felt an, an outsideness um, and, and, and wanting to get to the center of resources, all of these things. And this program is one of the ways that grew his career, one of the things that grew his career and, and just his own sense of possibility and mine too. Well, I think you guys are talking about a sense of uniqueness and that there's always this thought that your uniqueness or your specialty or your very small specialty that doesn't affect everybody is not unique enough to participate. And what you're talking about here is you, know, you may have a woodworker that thinks like, okay, maybe I'm not broad enough for this program, but actually their uniqueness is what makes them special and why you want them in the room and why you want them participating. And I think that affects so many things and that we need to make sure that the traditional folk arts are participated in these programs. We need to make sure that just because you're not in an urban center that you're able to participate in the conversation, no matter where your geography is. And no matter what your art form is or what makes your execution of the art form special, that is valuable to this conversation and really to this field and sector. How are you finding that this program is retaining arts professionals to Michigan? I'm sure that as you are investing in these leaders and telling them about the great things that 
is happening in Michigan within arts and culture, that that is affecting the change that somebody might have in their belief to stay here, that if they stay in Michigan, I can be the change. When you think about the resurgence, what's happening in Detroit, when you think about the incredible assets that exist along our shoreline and in our rural communities and all the way up to the Upper Peninsula and all the way down to the Indian Ohio border, that this program is helping them see that they're valued in the state and that they should stay here as a leader in our communities. Thanks. Yeah, I you know I think the you've hit on the, the next stage of this work for us as far as creating a program, which is really wanting to have a discussion about how we're re, how we're being really thoughtful about gathering data and and what is what is the data we really care about? Because because as we said at the beginning, it's not about how many of our rising leaders are now EDs. That's not really uh, it, it can be a measure of success, but it's not a success for all of us. Uh, or certainly all of the cohorts. Um, what I what I can say is that it's it's much more nuanced than that because because in coming to the program and at the core of the program, it's about it's about a lot more internal work and and understanding, as Stephanie said, understanding what you bring to the table and what you bring with you in any given situation, whether it be during your day work or your work in the evenings as an artist or all the other times as an artist, um, you know, and so that's a, it's a little uh, harder to measure that impact. But what I can say is that I think that we are certainly already in just three cohorts, seeing how the people that have been part of the program are um, the ways they're stepping into that confidence there's something I think in this program that we're seeing take root in all of our alumni thus far is that um, more of a confidence in their ability to do that, not in necessarily their ability to be the head of an organization, which may be the case, but a confidence that they, in fact, can behave in a way that can lead something, whether it's lead a festival, write a new book. Uh, or, or, you know, or be the ED of your small town arts council, if because one doesn't exist yet. And so we, we're definitely already seeing that in the way that these alumni are transforming in a way and a belief. And what I what, what I really love, and I, I, I I'm it's bouncing around in the back of my head from some of the applications we got this year is this sort of kernel of I feel like I want more or I feel like I can do more or I feel like I'm in a place of such transition right now or I'm at a crossroads. That's like a really common denominator, as Stephanie said, about this imposter syndrome or I don't know if I can. And it's something that I think the program helps to try to alleviate and give you tools to say, no, in fact, you can. And, and that's exciting. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'd say the the program is helping folks become people and settle into themselves as people who other people naturally gather around instead of behind. Mm -hmm. That's really lovely. Yes. Well, Chad, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. If people were looking for more information on the Rising Leaders program, where could they go to find that, Chad? Yeah, they can go to our website. The easiest way, if you're not just going to Google MACC, is Michigan Business dot gov backslash arts and then you can just find our rising leaders tab fantastic thank you both so much that's great to talk with you thank you so much josh